Welcome back to Big Content. That is Jack Settlement. I am Nick Ercolano. We're here to talk about everything uh, in the content world, how to become a content creator, all that, whatever. This is episode three. We film them every Wednesday. We release them every Monday. Uh, today, I think some of the, the topic of conversation for today, we have some questions we'll hit at the end. I think we should definitely end every uh, ep with the Q&A. Also, the Discord is linked down below. So if you want to join the Discord, we're in there kind of like just interacting with people about different resources and equipment and all that kind of stuff. Anything that a, a creator might need. Let's talk about um, Mr. Beast appearing on Full Send. So Full Send podcast is like the Nelk Boys podcast. They're kind of like one of the OG creators that like blew things way out of proportion. And now they've taken themselves into that. They're like a, you know, like a global company at this point with... Um, with Happy Dad and all the other, you know, merch deals and stuff that they do. And they had Mr. Beast on. Mr. Beast is obviously one of, like, the most followed YouTube creators um, of all time. Do you know where he ranks in terms of, like, subscribers? I think he's probably number two. Number I think two. there's someone who's, like, an OG who's it's, been doing it. It's like some little baby who, like, oh, Play-Doh well, no, designs the kids, the kids do, they do crush, but I don't know. That's probably an easy Google search. I'm sure you can find it. He's up to 105 million, so he's added 5 million subscribers over, I don't know, like a couple of weeks now. So his growth is, is not slowing down. And he's got like four other channels, which have 20 million. What do you got? So if, if Wiki is up to date, which it looks like it is 105, uh, PewDiePie is at four, SET, PewDiePie was who Sony Entertainment that. Television. Well, Sony Entertainment Television India is at 144. Coco Melon Nursery Rhymes, that's like, you know, I'm surprised it's not the entire top five. And then T-Series. Super Cassettes Industries Private Limited. That sounds like fake news. But but as far <laughs> think, as creators. How much do you think they paid for 226 <laughs> million subscribers? PewDiePie, number one. What, what's PewDiePie's number? 111. 111. And Mr. Beast's main channel is at 105. I don't know if PewDiePie has other channels. But cumulatively, I guess Mr. Beast might be up there. Because he's got Reacts. He's got Gaming. And those have like. And then you know about. I mean, he talks about it on the podcast. Like the. Uh, he changes the audio or the language now. So he reposts all his videos dubbed on Spanish and, and mm. all these different things. And he said, like, that is 90% of their revenue. From, like international? When, when he does a video, 90% of their viewership is now these dubbed channels. Whoa. Yeah. We've, like, talked about that internally, but that feels like so... It feels like a dramatic thing to do unless you really have all that Correct. resource at your disposal. But Not even resource. You need to have the following for it. You need like to have how the many following. people are how many people in Spain care about fantasy football? That's another part. Is like, but if, yeah, if you read our comment section, you'll have people that are like, "Oh, I'm Brazilian. Like, we need fantasy football here." I'm like, I feel like YouTube is. You could just watch it anywhere. What yeah. do you mean? Like, we don't yeah. have to actually talk Spanish in order for you to understand it. But it's funny, bro. He's got like this whole system, and when he gets on podcasts like this, it's so it's like. Borderline the most fascinating thing ever. Listening to him, like his story, how he started, how he blew up, and like the way he thinks about the world, um, the world now. I like he's like kind of chill for what he probably was Very when chill. he was younger. He was like, I, the way he describes himself is kind of like a crazy person, like social outcast, worked really hard, was like, this is the only thing I focused on. People thought I was weird. And now, like every time I hear him talk about it, it's like not only interesting, but he, he's a cool dude. It makes it feel like super relatable. Um, but well, that's the thing. He's not like, he's actually not cool. That's what makes it super relatable. He Nerdy's he, in in 2022, though. <laughs> it is. No, yeah. it is. Dad bods were 21. Nerd <laughs> is 22. But it's the fact that he is relatable to his audience and then does it by giving back to his audience so much that I think it connects with people well. Yeah, so you, I mean, you listen to most of the podcasts. I, I only got like 25 minutes in, but I want to keep um, ripping through. I know there's been a lot of uh, like TikToks and smaller videos kind of made from it. So I've seen some of the clips before, but one of the things he was talking about, similar to something we brought up in the first episode, was like the dispersion of YouTube shorts from YouTube. And he's like, you know, I've talked to the people at YouTube, like I yell at them all the time. And obviously, you know, a company that's that big, they're going to move extremely slowly. So even if Mr. Beast walks up in that <laughs> shit and starts yelling at you, it's like, we still need six to 12 months to implement anything that's at that scale but he talks about how like youtube shorts are going to be like a major major pillar of of what they're doing you were talking about tiktok what's what's your opinion on tiktok people are saying it's going to overpass youtube i thought the same but youtube shorts they've really taken some huge strides did you yeah. see that they announced they're gonna start uh, i saw the separation no with the, oh, the they're partners they're gonna right. pay oh, for shorts yeah. like a, well, a so large you amount can, so when you get ads on shorts now and starting in January, it's going to share the revenue with the creators. So I think TikTok. I also like, and like you're kind of the perfect example of that. Like you zoomed up to what you said, 130. Yeah. We're at 145 now. 
145. You're <laughs> damn. You're growing on YouTube it's like we were growing yeah, on TikTok. It's 1500 a day uh, right now. And we're just posting basketball content, like not even original content. And I thought what was funny about what he said was that short form content is so easy. Mm-hmm. And I agree. And that's all I create is short form content. And I could not agree more that it is so much easier than scripting out a 20 minute YouTube video, the production, the editing, the writing that that it takes for all that stuff. Dude, I was thinking about it. So I made a TikTok on my personal account yesterday. It was like, uh, I don't know if you've seen that trend. It was like uh, going over fashion designs with little to no explanation behind it. It's like, yes, yes, awful. And I basically changed it. I was like going over social platforms that you should be using if you want to grow for it. And yeah. like I, I listed all the platforms and like I was trying to match the yes with like platforms that I would you know, waste my time putting things out on, which is what, how I feel about certain design choices with little to no explanation. Yes. Yes. Absolutely not. For me, this one's 50, 50, a hundred percent. No. Yes. And I don't care that it's impractical. I hate these. I think I might hate this even more. Yes, of course. No. Yes. I've grown really fond of this. Surprisingly, I actually like this. And it, I mean, it was it was TikTok, it was YouTube Shorts, and it was like Instagram Reels. And then yeah. we already have YouTube going, so like obviously we're going to keep investing in that. But my mind went immediately to like only vertical videos. I'm like, it's very very odd uh, where we're at right now in these like short form vertical videos. I even find myself like, you know, people always are very cliche with the whole like attention span thing is getting smaller and smaller. But I notice it. The, the more we're on TikTok, the more I'm personally using it, and the yeah. more I'm like, I'm trying to watch a Netflix show, and I'm I'm like bored after ten minutes. I'm like, let me get back on really? my phone real quick. That's yeah, interesting because I think someone was talking. I forget who it is, so I can't mm-hmm. give them proper credit. But they were talking about yeah, short form content is what we're consuming a lot of now, but it's quality content that we're really consuming. Like there's no Mr. B still gets twenty million views on his thing. Joe Rogan has a three hour podcast that plenty mm-hmm. of people still listen to. So it's a quality of content, but it's interesting you say that one. Once you, I feel like once you go, right, there might not be going back. That's what I was thinking. Like it's when I first started seeing all the vertical videos, I was like, I was, I wasn't really into Vine. I wasn't like following along with that whole movement. I I just felt like every time I got on there, I got stupider, right? I was like, my friends are like, look at these Vines and you're on there for hours. I'm like, yeah, this feels like the most unproductive thing. I'll never like vertical videos. And I'm slowly seeing myself be like, I actually love enjoying these. I don't know why I'm like fighting it so hard being like, no, you have to, you know, in my head, I'm like, no, dude, stop watching this shit. It's all, it's always like a waste of time, but it's, it's been really fun kind of like transitioning into that. It's like the time watch on each video is 12 seconds, right? But then I'm sitting on TikTok last night for 40 minutes. No problem. Right. So it's not like I can't, but it's just, you want to watch high quality, high engaging. It's that dopamine hit. Now you used to sit through a 10 minute YouTube video and there will be lulls and setup and all that. It's like, no, like there has to be something like, I think Mr. Beast has recognized this. If you go and watch his video, right? Everything is first second, first, whatever. It's very calculated. He's the most calculated, but he pulls you in. And then at the end, there's the big payoff. But the traditional way would have been like build up, build up, build up, payoff. He doesn't even do that now. It's There's a payoff every minute. He discovers someone in a hide and seek. It's like, give him 10K. Like, there, he, he doesn't wait till the end. I think that's probably the way our brains are moving. I don't know if it's healthy or not, but it is what it is. Yeah, he, he figured it out. And now I, I wonder how deep into... TikTok. I'm going to pull up Mr. B's TikTok alone. He was pretty much saying, like, it's so easy to create short-form content, and I don't disagree at all. And I think, to your point, like, you were creating a video on, you know, what platform, what social platforms to use, and it probably took you 45 seconds if you matched it up with the it was audience. only because I had to go to Google and, like, <laughs> save the image of the social platform yeah, before I hit it. But, but it's a three-minute process. Maybe it's 15 if you really thumbnail it, title it correctly, all that stuff. As opposed to if you created, like, a 10 minute youtube video on why to use each platform could be a three hour six hour ten hour process editing thumbnail title all the research like all that stuff so he's not wrong but i think that's a good opportunity like we got the question last week about pivoting and stuff you can't really pivot off a youtube channel if you're creating a certain type of content shorts you can try whatever do whatever it's not a ton of investment very interesting yeah, I, I think it. I, I think like a lot of people should experiment. We had the first um, one of the, the perks of being in uh, the BDG three communities. I'm doing like a content creator workshop once a month. We're like, you know, if anyone's a content creator within the NFT project itself, like we can just kind of riff for like an hour or so. And we were, 
I did it last week for the first time. And there was like six or seven of us, which is cool. It was like super intimate. People got to ask like very personal questions about it. And one of them was my guy, Adam, who, who's been with us for a while, but he started creating content in the fantasy football space. And he's doing like YouTube stuff. He's doing podcast stuff. And he was just like, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to find like my leverage point, like where to grow, what platforms to use and stuff like that. And I was like, it might be worthwhile kind of just like changing your mindset. I know that the way you look around our industry and our space is very like YouTube and podcast focused, but you should probably like, you're trying to follow the people that did it before you, but in order to get to like the next step, you have to kind of if you're, if you're doing what they did, like you're going to, you're going to fall so far behind. It's going right. to take you so long to get to where they are. So I was like, as weird as the mindset shift might, might be for you, you might need to like take the next two weeks and literally shift it over to only making TikTok content or only making YouTube yep. shorts. And it's a mindset shift based on like the way that you were kind of like brought up. And I know you said you learned content um, when you were working at Action Network and Whistle Sports. Whistle said, yeah, yeah you yeah. were talking about how that like kind of yeah. shaped you into yeah. being a content creator. So for you, what was like the most uh, natural like type of content for you? Because I think there's like a give and take between what's natural to you and like the platforms that you choose to be on. The most natural is just talking about sports because I consume so video? much. Not even on video. It's it's just the aspect of it. And that's what I say is like, I'm not, and we discussed this last episode too, is I'm not the best on camera person in the world. I don't have the best acting abilities. It It's really just like repetitions at that point. So that's why I say the best content I, I have is, is coming up with stuff on the spot because I have the knowledge of all these different things and really aggregating once again, like that's really my thing. What about you? I always loved video. I always kind of wish I got into podcasts instead of video because it's so like I can't imagine just not actually giving a fuck what you look like. Yeah. I kind of look like shit in most of my videos. Like I'll just like wake up and kind of go on. But people who who got big via podcasting, it feels I mean, it's not easy, obviously. Audio yeah. is like difficult, but there is I, I think anytime you come across a, a, a spot where it feels like hard work, it's like, oh, I got to take this YouTube video, cut it down to a three minute thing for a TikTok, a one minute thing for YouTube mm -hmm. shorts. Like you said, that presents an opportunity because if you're feeling like, oh, that's a lot of work to do, that's how everybody else feels. Right. So if you're willing to like do the work, you're going to get out ahead of that. So for me, it was always like the, the video version of it. And I fell in love with long form. But like I said, I'm kind of falling more in love with short form. I just have a tough time figuring out because we've always, I, I've always just like felt as uh, like as a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've always felt like someone that was just trying to like teach people things that I knew about. But when it gets to short form, I feel like people don't really want to fucking learn that much, right? They just want to like get hit with that dopamine hit. So I'm, I'm kind of not struggling per se, but trying to figure out like the I direction for me personally. There's still plenty, like the most, well, this is actually really interesting. So I saw a tweet once and it was talking about the difference in the algorithms in the United States and in China. And apparently in China, the TikTok content is very informational, educational. It's very uplifting. And in TikTok, they literally, th in the US, they literally think they're distracting us. And it, it doesn't shock me because I do get helpful stuff like my feed, I'll see travel tips, how to use credit card points, like stuff like that. And I'll watch a minute and a half of that. Same. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I just feel like TikTok is so like entertainment native that it kind it of is. forces it puts puts me in a different spot for the way I've personally come up. And I've liked it. It's been like a challenge yeah. um, for well, me. Well, that's where I think talent comes into it. It's like you're educational. You have the knowledge. You you have mastered one platform, but one platform isn't like the other one necessarily. And that's so what new. me getting on TikTok. Like we've had so much success on Snap, Instagram, Twitter, now YouTube. But TikTok, like, because I'm not an entertainer. I'm not, like, a dancer. I'm not, you know, all these things that TikTok is. But trying to figure out, all right, what works here? What can I make my brand on TikTok? So let me ask you, um, with, like, the new recent success of, of your YouTube channel based yeah. off, like, the YouTube shorts, you say you're not making original content for right. it. So you're putting up, like, highlight clips and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Is that where you see yourself like continuing to go? Like, how do you, how do you imagine it might be early? Cause this just happened like semi recently. Yeah. Like, how do you imagine taking the audience or the leverage that you built and like actually using it for your business's success right now? Yeah. Great question. Something everyone should be thinking about because there's quality followers and there's quantity followers. And right now we're quantity on there and it's just a, it's a metric that looks good, but doesn't mean much right now. Like we live. I was jealous. You got that plaque. We were actually, we were talking <laughs> about it. In here. I was like, sick. I was like, uh, I, Oh, now I can bring it in. Yeah, That's dude, where I can put it. Yeah, you can put it in here. Right, we'll cool. just, you just have to change your YouTube <laughs> channel name to big content and <laughs> put it on the wall. 
I've, I've heard of people getting there and then the plaque taking like a long ass time. Yeah. And I didn't know if they were going to switch the rules on it because like shorts have helped right, people like right. explode. And I'm like, oh, this is not like, I'm, I was just like, I'm doing YouTube for like seven years and it's taking me forever to get there. And like people get it quickly. I was like, I wonder if they take shorts into account for it, which is like a stupid question. But no, it's not. I saw it, but like, congrats. That's fucking you. very I cool. It. No, I, I feel you because you've grinded YouTube for <laughs> fucking a decade. And not I, me being like really fucking mad about <laughs> it right now. But. No, I, I totally think that there's some merit to that. It, I, in the, distinguishing it and, you know, Aaron Judge hit 62 last night, and there's a whole debate over. You didn't even catch the ball, though. I know, uh, but but just in turning them, leveraging them, like we live stream our podcast, it gets 500 views, which is actually decent because in podcasting that that's solid. Um, but we want to get back to creating long form videos. When we were doing it during COVID, when we only had 6,000, 10,000, 17,000 subscribers, we would get like 10,000 per video on long form playing Madden. So we're bringing that series back actually this week. And then I vlogged going to the Yankee game, trying to catch judges 62. That'll be our first long form content since growing a hundred thousand plus subscribers. So we'll see. So you put like a any, vlog, like a full vlog together going to the Yankee. Yeah. Game. So we'll see if that does anything and that might just take time and then we have posted a couple of our snapback monday shorts and they've seen mild success nothing that's gone super viral but like ten thousand views plus which is pretty good for original content on this stuff so we do need to turn it i've played around with the community tab you can tell we we've got just randoms who don't know the brand who just follow because of the content it's kind of heartbreaking a little bit right like, yeah no it's not a it's not ideal but like I would like it's a it's a higher floor now I think and it and it should only help because we didn't have the greatest YouTube audience. It, it also what, what I think is cool it does it presents another opportunity too because once you're there again right like for instance like we've hit like big success on TikTok yeah. via Ike's lunch so we're yes. like kind of in a similar spot where like these people come on have no idea exactly. what we do like you know what is this what is this fucking company this brand or whatever and how does it help my life outside of just being entertained for these two minutes of Ike's lunch. But I think it presents an opportunity because it kind of reminds you of like what your North star is. Right. And like, you kind of have to get back to that. You're like, Oh, these people come in, they've never heard of me or whatever. What's the way that I want to project myself online right now? Like, how do I want yeah. these new people who are only going to know me from the next week of like my behavior, basically to understand like kind of what we've been through up to this point. So I think it helps you kind of recalibrate a little bit when you see like a new flush of people and it helps you be like, okay, I want to teach these people like what we're about. And that goes back to like the core, you know, passion of whatever it is that you started from it. So I think like, it's weird that people can flow in that way. But I think if, you know, if you're good enough at what you do, like you'll be able to kind of, yeah. the reason that they got there in the first place is the reason that you're like doing all this work. He's good. He, he understands it. It's nice when someone else understands <laughs> what you're going through, but it, it's real. Like that is, and, and when I talked to you about Ike's Lung, you know, months ago, I asked, what is the play with this, right? Because it is so different than what you did. And now you've built out a little bit of a business with the site and with the merch. And so you didn't even need to kind of push them over. But like, what was the crossover between that and, you know, your competition, you know, with NFTs and everything. So that was what I was most intrigued to see. Could you get one person to come over? Because if you got one person, maybe it's actually worth it. The we whole definitely, day. I mean, it, it was, um, I can't, I'll never say it was a bad thing, yeah. but it, it grew this following. And then we kind of just like continue to do what we were doing regardless. Right. Like no other pieces of content really, like obviously we'd have some like one off, like Ike's lunch mm. posts that we put out there, but everything else we kind of just like forced back to where we were before. And it's like the people that fucked with us would, you know, continue watching yeah. it. And also like on TikTok, it feels like a little bit of an easier, um, transition only because it's feed it's they're already showing profile. you exactly yeah, what yeah. you want to see so it's like oh if the people who are here for Ike's lunch aren't going to see our fantasy stuff anyway right. so you start to differentiate and like Ike's lunch is not at a point where it was when we first started obviously mm -hmm. that shit was starting to get a million million five two million and now yeah. they're probably i don't know sitting at like 400 500k for video Still amazing which I just feels, yeah, dude, when I say it out loud, it's like really, yeah. really ridiculous, but there's still like that knowing in your head, like, okay, this was, this is eventually going to just like die down and people are gonna be like, oh, you know what? Like Ike's lunch was a really fun era yeah. for like a little yeah. while, but now we need to build it back up. And like, again, it goes back to like the North star. It's like, we need to continue putting that content out. Cause when this one unpredictable viral piece of content right. like dies down, you're back to square one of having to, you know get the loyal audience in there showing them what you're about. Cause you can't really like repeat something like that. If I were to give you two pieces of advice for Ike's lunch, one, 
collaboration. Like you've had guests, including me, and you see the reaction. I mean, maybe you see it. Maybe I just see it because it's me. But it does help. Like other people, you could have gone big, and you still could. Conscious collaborations. You're saying like you could bring in celebrities who literally, by the time you get to the third spot, it's like I don't know John Hamm or someone (laughs) trying to promote Allstate or something. Like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, And and then I just think like there probably is a you figured out a content. So it it might not be Ike's lunch, but if you want to talk about like consistency and guessing and this payoff and and like that is really what you figured out. Yeah, that I think is is a big win. It's too. Yeah, I wanted to talk about collaborations a little bit this week. That's it's that's something for sure a weak point of mine because I'm just like kind of focused on what we're doing here, which I think is a strong point and a weak point because it makes you be like makes you. Uh, innovate because you're not really like looking at other people and because when once you compare yourself to other people then you're just trying to do what they do mm-hmm. and then you're like I want to do what he does but like a little bit better so if you're kind of like in your own head you're mostly thinking of things that you like or you're only interacting with your audience like you're thinking of things that they like and then you could innovate on top of that so yeah I, I think collaborations are something that I need to work on because when you're at I guess once you start getting to like scale and you have a high follower count it's like the law of diminishing returns a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you got to, what, what got you there is not going to be the thing that continues to get you to the next step. So it's like figuring out other people that have gotten there. How do I work with them? How do we collab? And I just, I don't know. It's just something that I haven't really been great at. I don't like, like reaching out to people to be like, yo, do this, this, this with me. feels yeah. like a little bit of a weird you way pay to pay for it. We're going through it right now. Well, I think this is a collaboration, obviously. Yeah. So, and you can see the positives of it. But we were doing Snapback Mondays. We're going to Kansas City on Monday. And so two people, one, Kevin Walsh, she's in the agency with us. Great up and coming football creator. Um, yeah, Harrison. Uh, yeah, yeah. I Mojo think he's doing he's, some stuff with Mojo. It, yeah, yeah. They're flying him out for the game on uh this Sunday, I think the Jets game maybe or something. Oh really? There's oh yeah, because yeah, he's, he's from to, New York to yeah. Yeah, he wanted us to go out with him, but I'm I'm gonna be down in uh, Georgia this weekend. I think those guys are gotcha. not around so, either. But yeah, so he like we're very close with him. Obviously, bright up and coming creator. How do we involve? Kind of looks like your little brother. He, he yeah. does. <laughs> he does. Well, I have a little brother. He looks like my even younger brother. He looks like <laughs> well, yeah. If you guys had another younger brother, it'd be yes. that kid. Yeah, doesn't uh, actually look like your younger brother. <laughs> So we're trying to figure out, like, what is the proper collaboration? Because he was with us week one in Seattle. And, like, you know, we were near each other. Maybe I was in the back of his content, whatever. But we didn't really collaborate. So is it asking him, hey, let's create a TikTok together? He's bigger on TikTok. I mean, he's got a million followers. I have 20,000. Is that fair? Do I have to pay for his ticket to the game? Do we need to fly him out? Do we want to fully involve him in Snapback Monday content where he's got the mic and he's asking fans questions? Like, what is it? And part of the struggle is, and I think it's probably for you too, is the consistency. The one-off collaborations, they're okay, but you have to be at a crazy scale to for it to just be an awareness play or else it's just like, oh, they see you and then they don't follow and it's whatever. Yeah, that's, that's um, someone that was in the content creator workshop, like tweeted something that was basically saying collaborations are one of the most like overrated things in, in the creation space. And he got a lot of pushback on it. It was like a lot of people like real angry <laughs> at him for saying it or whatever, for whatever reason. I like kind of agreed with it. Uh, kind of two different senses. It could be good, but if you're going into it with the with the mindset of like this is going to like jump us to the next step or right. something, that's always going to come crashing down, right? Like you have to have like reasonable expect uh, expectations. I think networking is always a good reason to want to actually collab with people. But I've noticed from collabing, like I've had people that are bigger on my channel that have like a very very large following. Mm-hmm. We could put the episode out. It could do like fine, but it, it never does anything that like really progresses you to the next maybe you meet someone through that or something but it's never like i think a lot of people have this idea of collaborations like oh i'm gonna come on you know nick's youtube channel and then mine's gonna go from 500 to 50,000. it's like it doesn't really work like that so if you have a good intent behind it like this i just wanted to kind of like chop it up with you and both of us hopefully like sharpen our swords and whatever and this i would say this is like good networking like otherwise i don't know how often we'd like really see each other in new york but it's good to like come in and just like kind of catch up and talk about things that we're equally passionate about so the whole like collaboration for business is something that we definitely don't do enough, but we should probably start to leverage that as we start to see the the views of in specifically like Ike's lunch kind of drop a little bit. Um, it's a good leverage point. Yeah. I'll give another shout out to Pete Overset because he paid us this time. Well, he texted The us. only ad read we'll ever have. Yeah, right only there. ad read. <laughs> Pete, but, Pete gave us a copy. Just tell people I'm a good guy. You know? <laughs> but I think I think perfect example, I think of someone like him where collaboration, mm-hmm. there's two versions of it. He does his randomizer stream where he's got big name guests come on. 
and and Field Yates is on, or maybe Mita, he's trying to get Mita Kimes or Bill Barnwell, like some fun names in the community. And and it spikes and maybe gets some more views than if you know someone else goes on. But who's really jumping over and following them or doesn't already follow as opposed to like when he hosts weekly streams with either us club top shot him and brick or you know whoever he's doing his stuff with it's that's a true collaboration two people spending time together and the audience is seeing it constantly so it's when those collabs are one-offs it really only pays off when it's something consistent so the second opportunity for snapback monday is bob menry you know him Mm -hmm. he's got five million followers and he's like trying he's not on full send anymore no he well we'll talk about that in a second but he he's trying to go to a game a week like that's his new goal and so i know his his agent manager whatever and i shot him a message i was like what's he trying to accomplish we're going to every monday night game if he's just going to come for one it's going to overpower our content he's not like necessarily our perfect brand fit and so for a one-off it's not really worth it but if we worked out something long-term, the benefits could be very high. He's got a major audience, would be crazy exposure for us, and we could do some really good content. So trying to figure out, and he's like a, He's crazy, like he's in crazy. a good and a bad way. But yeah. he's crazy. He's like pretty big. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing this from like when you're talking about uh, working with him, possibly like yeah. long term. Are you, are you talking about that through the agency? No, no. He's, he's, he. So loyalty above all is an agency. They rep Dalvin Cook, James Cook, J.K. Dobbins, some, some other players, Zach Hiller, Matt Least, and some other names. They also rep Bob Menry. So they have an okay. agency. So this would just be like a content collaboration. How much, how much would you have to give someone like him to, to I do that? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out, too, is like, is he trying to create content? Do Does he want to attach brands to it? Does he want to make it consistent? The thing with him is he's kind of all over the place, so he doesn't even fully know. Could do you we, think that's a red flag already up front, just how busy he is and how many things that he might like? Yeah, it's not a red flag. It's something that we take into the equation of, of when we're trying to figure it out. So is it worth money if we have to do that? Is it worth our time to find sponsors for him to come and do it? Is it worth even doing content with him if it's not going to be consistent? These are just all like different kind of numbers in the equation. We, I mean, we haven't gone very far with it yet, but it's just something that's on my mind of like, there's Kevin who can kind of slide into our content as a one-off. And then there's Bob who like, he's massive, but is the risk worth the reward? Is the time worth the energy? Yeah. I wonder what the negotiations would be like for that and getting him on board. Cause as, as we've like progressed as I guess, like leaders in our respective businesses, it's one of, I mean, we've talked about work ethic a lot, but there are a lot of people that kind of like want to be involved, but sometimes don't want to put the work in. So they kind of like wishy-washy and end up like fading out of the infrastructure of it with you guys. So Kind of explain to me real quick, like the, not format, but the, I guess, hierarchy within Snapback right now. So I started Snapback Sports, so I run that, Mm -hmm. CEO, founder, whatever. Uh, CEO over here. (laughs) Alex Scheiman was my business manager, still is, so like traditional talent managerial role, but then started doing Snapback Sports and stuff. Snapback Sports was so intertwined with me. Now we're actually trying to separate it a little bit so it can live on as its own brand. So he's a contractor, technically because his full-time role is running Snapback Agency, two separate companies, share a name. And then Casey, my brother, works content. He does everything mm-hmm. for us. Ryan, video editor, Riley, social media. So it's five of us, and then there's one agency employee, and then freelance stuff. Have you had a lot of people just, like, come in and out of the picture over the years? It's funny. We didn't even plan this. I was going to ask you about, like, breakups and <laughs> handling that type of stuff because, like, Bob Menery actually posted a video for the first time publicly because he got kicked off of Nelk, and he, he said, like, I'm done being scared. I'm going to say what happened. Like they owe me money, like they screwed me, stuff like that. Where's my money? Where is it? Curious, curious. Where the fuck is my money? Don't know. Should I be a good guy and listen to everybody and say, hey, Bob, just stay away? This is bad business for you to fucking go into fight with them and do it. Where the fuck is my money? That's it. Now, that's a podcast that went crazy, and he felt like he put in a ton. He brought in those big-time guests. Fortunately, I, I would say I've had two breakups in my in my history. One was my best friend and amicable, and it just, like, kind of worked, honestly, and, like, he doesn't care at all about it. We never even really had a conversation. I wouldn't even consider it a breakup. Um, so that's like the first one. It kind of just faded. It was a dying business that we kind of just moved on from. And then two was with our old podcast production company. That one was nasty and not fun. But like right now, 
Abe is my co-host of the podcast. He's like, he doesn't work for Snapback. He has a full-time job doing his thing. The podcast has never gotten to the point where like, you know, like a PMT where he, like, we've never discussed who owns it, stuff like, like, it's just a Snapback sports thing. Mm. And he was the co-host. If we had, like, how do you have that conversation? Fortunately, I guess, unfortunately, it never got to that scale. So we got, you know, I just pay him some money every once in a while and we do it for fun. But have you had situations like that? Yeah, we have. I feel like I've, we've gone through like an, a decent portion of them. Some, yeah. some with the guys in here, like me, Animal, and Snacks, when we were podcasting together a few years back, went through it. We have a fucking, we have like an hour long vent session. One of our like YouTube vlogs was basically like, we had to hash a lot of shit out. Yeah. Like three years ago in my basement at one point, <laughs> we just like turned the cameras on and let it rip. And it was like very personal. It was very like vulnerable. Yeah. Like they had been there for a while. Um, a lot of it... A lot of it ends up being my fault because I'm someone who, like, puts my blinders on, gets into my work, and then yeah. don't always um, pay attention to all the things going on around me. And not like ch- I, I think one of the most important things as you're growing and, like, you're working with more and more people is consistently, like, checking in on those people just mm-hmm. on, like, a personal level to understand that everybody has very different motivations for what, like, gets them going, right? Yeah. For some people, it might be money. For some people, it might be starting to appear on content more. For some people, it's you know, X, Y, Z. So yeah. I think that's really important then. When you feel like there is something coming, it's not really any different in my opinion. Um, and I've only really had the experience of working with people that I've known way prior mm-hmm. to it. But I think when you're consistently checking in, like any relationship, you're kind of just communicating how you feel, right? Like not getting defensive necessarily, talking about the good and the bad with it, but openly communicating and be like, you know, we can do better at this. I feel like you're kind of falling short here. And then what I think is helpful is practical is like actually putting goals for the next person. Like it's, it's very easy to just throw out random ideas and be like, I want this, this, and this done. And then when you guys meet again in two weeks or a month or whatever, it's like, I don't, I didn't track any progress with it. So it's, it's tough. So with breakups, I think like, as long as you can be honest during it, you know, as long as both people feel like something is kind of like faded away, if it's a piece of content and you guys are like, this isn't really working or like, what was our goal from the beginning? Uh, it, it sucks. And sometimes you kind of have to pick a side. And I found myself before. Okay. So this kid, uh, Mike, Mike me up on, on Twitter. He was in the, he's been like a fan of BDG for a long time. Going, going back like seven or eight years, he was like one of the first commenters on our YouTube stuff, right? And he got really integrated with the brand. He was just kind of commenting on everything, ended up coming to the first BDG New York City draft weekend where mm-hmm. we had, you know, flew people in. Um, me and him got close and me and him were in like a dynasty league together and he was just like running training the league. So I was like, you know what you're doing here. Yeah. I kind of would like to bring you on as a content creator. Um, so he started making videos with us. And um, at one point after like a couple of years, he had kind of just like launched his own Patreon. And um, I was like, whatever, that's kind of like what happens in the fantasy space. Like people that aren't necessarily full-time consecrators are kind of getting theirs. The other dudes in the office were not happy about it. They yeah. felt like he was kind of like going off on his own, doing it and like working for himself and whatever. So that was when I felt like I kind of had to step in. It was like, oh, there's, you know, a problem between, because everyone else feels like we're all kind of going towards the same goal rather than. Yeah, that felt off to the side. It felt a little off to the side. Um, I didn't really necessarily care because it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were trying to make a lot of money off of him or whatever. So I was like, you're putting a lot of work and energy mm-hmm. into it. You could do it. I ended up having a conversation with him though, because I was like, the rest of the guys are not cool with this. So Either, you know, you could like take the Patreon down, you can put it back into the business itself. It'll make everybody feel more comfortable. We had that conversation because he wanted more like long-term upside. He was someone who got in. He's like, I believe in what you're doing. I'd like Mm to eventually get in on, you know, like equity or whatever. If you, if you raise an investment round, I want to be one of the first people that can get in on it. And I was like, yeah, of course. So he ended up putting the Patreon money back into the business and it cooled off. But I think there was a little like vibe check, you know, that that went a little unnerved for a while, but that's the, that was the thing that was kind of difficult between me and these guys. Cause like on a friend level, I understand why they're upset on a business level. I was like, he's making us, you know, pretty serious money right now. It's not like he's done anything personally to you right now. It's like, we need to kind of move past this together. Like I'm, I'm going to be the leader right now. This is the decision I'm making. I want Cause for a while they were like, dude, I don't really want him like representing our brand and like yeah. putting out content for us. And I had to make a decision whether or not to just like cut him off. But I was friends with him for like five years, you know, and he had done a lot of really mm-hmm. good work for us making us money. And I was like, this is the decision I'm making. I hope you respect me as a leader. Like I said, I remember sending like a three minute video to like six different people. And I was like, this is the fucking decision I'm making. You really love video then. Yeah. Like you'll like, legit. I communicate. Them. Vi- yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's like the way I feel like I can get context. Yeah, out. Yeah. Otherwise like something that like, yeah, if you it was dramatic. Text or an email, yeah. It might, it might not hit. Yeah. It felt like cold hearted. So I, I told them, I was like, dude, like this is the decision I'm making. I think it's best for us right now. I hope you guys would respect that. Like, let's just move on from this point. Treat, mm-hmm. 
treat him with this, you know, respect, treat him like as you would treat the other fucking person and we move forward. But I've definitely found that being a tough balance for me, having to be someone that like <laughs> babysits a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and at the same time having to, not most of these guys are my friends. So it's, I don't think you get that Intel from them, how they're upset. If you're not constantly checking in and if you're not friends, like mm-hmm. I actually think it, it, it varies, but a lot of the times if you have a personal relationship, it is easier to go to someone as opposed to going to your quote unquote boss. I mean, I come from like a family business, so I've seen it like mm-hmm. there are conversations that are extremely uncomfortable and separating work and play. And, and like you could get in a fight at work and then you have dinner as a family, which is why, like, I think when you asked the question last week, like more business or maybe episode one, but like business versus content creator, Mm -hmm. that's the reason I lean more towards content creator because you can like kind of leave that part out of it and you're not always dealing with like the emotions of people all the time and stuff which gets tough and it's real we're i mean supplying people's lives not that they couldn't necessarily go work otherwise but like they are waiting on i get a kid and like he needs to get paid and so i guess a kid he's getting paid it's like how do you balance like it's a newborn so he's like i know him personally and i want to make sure that he has enough time to spend with his family but like we have shit to do and (laughs) and once you start intertwining those things it's like the attention to detail starts to like drop down a little bit. How do I make sure it doesn't get, you know, yeah, there's expectations. Like, yeah, you're dealing with everybody's personal life, basically on top of yeah. like the business stuff. Uh, how's that been with your little brother? I meant to ask. Yeah. I mean, like we've slept in beds together on these work trips, you know, mm-hmm. like that's the, cr- and so last night where he's like, the Uber was $120 home. I, I, there was no choice at that point. I wasn't getting on the air train and taking a subway, getting home at three in the morning. But like at a startup, if, if we were strapped for cash or working on a budget and we had budgeted out snapback monies and we like could only spend 50 bucks to get home. And he was like, Oh, I'll split it with you. And I'm like, no, like this is a work thing. I'm spending the money. Uh, but it's been great. He's been like, he's crushed it. I kind of like, there were always questions over like, is he just doing this? Cause he's my brother. Cause he doesn't have another opportunity, all that stuff. And the bet was kind of like, once he's full-time committed to this, he'll be great. And he's crushing it. So uh, it's, it's been great. Yeah, brother's a beast. Yeah. He, like I pre- he's an assertive person. Like he yeah, just follows up. I know which he's is keeping what, it on your ass for some shit. It's not even on my ass. Yeah. It's like, that's what it's great. Yeah. Like I love the no, fact and, that he's always and Alex like, doing has this helped and this. him a ton. Um, but on, on that is like separating, like, when do you stop working? Like we're, and I want to have this conversation. When is your day off? Right. When you're running a business, I don't know if this is more because we're in content or just running a business. I don't take a day off. Like I, I don't vacation. I enjoy what I'm doing. So it feels like a vacation. There's times where I'm not technically working, I guess, but like I posted on the snapback account 20 times a day for five straight years. <laughs> like there, there was no day. That's off. the beauty of getting started is like you worked so hard and you could always look back and be like, when you are feeling lazy now or unmotivated, <laughs> you're like, dude, look what I did when I was like yeah. 20 years old. And yeah. shit. You know, like if I could do it then I could do it. But now. like with him, right. We're family. So I know his schedule. Like, I know when he could be working. He went to Ohio State this weekend, right? Like, he was partying with his friends. You let him do that? Right. That's that. But that's the thing. is like, do I let him do that? Is, if he wasn't my brother, would he still be able to do that? Next, that? That's why it goes back to, like, I think communicating with the employees of what matters to them. Like, for instance, we're uh, a sports media brand. It's football season. Like, Sundays, Sundays are a big work. deal. Yeah. But, like, so are Mondays and Tuesdays and, like, what days are off. So sometimes, I mean, we're, for the most part, all in the office on Sundays, like, watching the game together. Yeah. But it's, again, with, like, with Ike, who's responsible for, like, videotaping us and making that kind of content. Right. It's tough. It's like, yo, come in Sunday because we're doing this. You can take Wednesday off if you need to. Right. So it's about being flexible and understanding, yes. like, on an individual basis. It's tough to do. Well, yeah. today is Yom Kippur. It's a Jewish holiday. We fast <laughs> to repent for our sins. You gave your employees off? I, uh, Alex took time, but he's, like, technology break. He'll still do some work. I don't think the rest of the company besides my brother is Jewish. I don't know, actually. Um, if you only let them take off if they're Jewish? Well, why would you take, why would you take off for <laughs> well, a Jewish well, holiday? Well, companies well, companies just have it off. Oh, you know? no. Ju- so, like, we're taking no, the- companies don't really give off to... Which is an interesting concept, actually. But, like, should I... Like, my girlfriend is taking off today. Should I have off? Can I take off? Like, I mean... Probably not. No. <laughs> right, no. Like, no to all of those questions. But I mean, like, it, it depends on, on your life, how much you have to get done. I think one of the positives about being 
where we're at is like we have the decision of the flexibility. Like if we have, but I don't like, I don't even think I could take off today. Maybe not, but there will be days where you can choose like, okay, I have this one thing to do. Let me get out of the, out of the way at 8am. So I have the entire day off. You can do that pretty consistently. When was the last time you took a vacation where you did not work or it didn't work? Yeah. I mean, not to sound like a fucking asshole, probably like, I don't know, eight years ago or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not like working intense, like full days on my vacation, right. but it's never turned off. It's, I, it's yeah. this or that. Or I tried turning off, I think uh, one or two days I went on vacation with Hallie to Bahamas and it was like an NFL Sunday. And yeah. I was just like watching. So I had someone else posting content and I was just like, I wouldn't have captioned it that way. I would have posted this a little sooner. Like, but yeah. th- but you got to get better at that. And I would like to get to a point where I could take a week off. Another question would be, do you want to though? That, uh, that's the other reason I think I just work every day. It's like, okay, maybe not all of it's like business related work, but yeah. like on a Saturday, I'm happy to just sit there and like put, put a vlog together. Like yeah. that shit makes me happy. See you know? that, so like- that's, that is a huge thing because I've now gone to sporting events for the past five years. <laughs> Through a work lens, which is like I went to catch judges 60 second ball but vlog. When you say stuff. like through a work lens, like oh, I'm not saying it's hard work once again. No, I'm asking like what I your goal was when you say work. The reason like I feel like you put work in there is because you went with like a strong intention. Was that just like to make sure you captured the experience? Like what? Was no, I actually didn't. Like I woke up and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll film this and actually try and create something long form for YouTube. And so I filmed a couple of things, half committal. And then at one point I was just like, all right, I'm filming the whole thing, mm-hmm. doing reactions, thumbnail, like whole thing. That's been tough is like choosing when to commit to things. Cause yeah. when I was younger, when I first started this shit, my camera came everywhere with me. Right. Like if I went on vacation with my homies or like we went away for the weekend, it was like, I'm bringing my camera just yeah. because like, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do now. I'm not like that anymore. Like if I go, I went to my best friend, Steve's wedding was like a couple weekends ago. And we went down to Middletown, New York, Saturday morning, and then we left like Monday. So we were there for like the entire weekend. And five years ago, me would have had a camera like out there, yeah. just like filming everything the entire time and like wanting to What's put together What's that change a lot. mean? What does it mean? Like it, it's not a commitment level drop off, work ethic drop off. Is um, it? I think it was me one trying to actually like live in the moment and enjoy the experience. Cause yeah. I think when you do put like your work phase on, you're like, oh, I got to do that this weekend. It becomes something of, of a chore and you're not really getting to enjoy like a really enjoyable experience. That's a real thing. Yeah. And that when content is your life, that is every mm-hmm. moment. Like I, you know, if Hallie's lucky enough, she'll get a proposal at some point. The ring chase will be complete. And that's I feel like you're going to get her like a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> <as her> ring. <laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. But like, right? It's content though. Like I'm thinking about what's the Instagram po- because that is now the life I live and it's just a balance, but, but it's not. Like there actually is no balance because it's always on, which is a positive. I enjoy that aspect. I do think there's a, and my brother yelled at me for saying this. I think there's a world where I would have been very happy, like being born in, in England, rooting for a soccer team, like working as a waiter and just betting the $5 extra I had and being a diehard fan and like not doing any business. Stuff. Like, I think there's... You think this, about that often? I, I don't think about it often because this is my life and I've accepted that this is how I was raised and how I want to be. But like, I do think there's beauty to simplicity, but I'm all in on this one. On this one. So yeah. Kinda... The, the thought crosses my mind like like once a month maybe and I just like shoot it out. I was like, only when something like really hard comes or something that's like really weighing on your chest and I'm like, fuck, I got to do this or deal with this. It's going to be really hard. I'm like, I should have just got a fucking nine to five, <laughs> bro, and not have to worry about The it nine anything. to five, like, and, and I appreciate those on TikTok who kind of go to bat for the nine to fives because yes, I do believe work as hard as you can in doing something you love. You'll never work a day that, you know, that cliche, but I do think there's people who are genuinely happy going, doing their job that they do like, and they live for five to nine, you know, and they live for the weekend and it's not the type of life that I necessarily want, but I think there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No, definitely not. I think, yeah, it depends like what, again, goes what you value, what you want to do with it. Um, let's, let's take before, it. Before Q&A, I do want to discuss valuation. So two, there was one in Discord. Cabby Lane makes $750,000 per post. You said cap or no cap? Man, I, I, said, I said cap before I realized just how dominant he was on the platform and also how crispy those, like, advertisements were. Yeah. They're so, so good. I just, I wonder um, what the relative eyeballs are between... I wonder what the budget is for like if they show up to his house and they're like we're gonna film this two and a half minute thing with you like they have to give him 750k plus whatever it costs to actually shoot that entire production which by the way 
if you've never been, I've never been on like a movie set before, but like in New York, downtown New York, like they're set up everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're out of control. Oh, they, they must cost millions of dollars. Bro, they have like 10 trucks with 50 different sets of lights. I'm like, I feel like they're just filming one, like one scene. scene on no, a I, I've talked to actors before who literally say for a 20 second scene could take four days to film. Dude, it makes... It, and so this is to Mr. Beast's point of what's harder. I'm like, is that cool form? or is that stupid as fuck? <laughs> Feels like a waste like of money. Just like get a Sony A64. Well, well think, about, think about Mr. Beast, right? I don't know how many people view a, a box office movie, right? But like he does 100 million views on a video, right? And it's the highest production level on YouTube. But then you compare it to what he spends, a million or two per video, versus what the studios spend. And they're seeing similar viewership or more engaged viewership on YouTube. It's really an interesting one. So the other valuation is Mr. Beast on the podcast said he wouldn't sell his channel and essentially his name for a billion dollars. He said it would be more in the range of 10 and he probably wouldn't do it. He's never been sent around money. I've been offered a pretty crazy one. What's what is it? Um, You know, a billion dollars if we could own the channel and the companies and stuff like that. Like and I'm like, oh. That sounds enticing, but I don't know if I want to work for my YouTube channel. You've been offered a billion dollars for your YouTube channel. Well, with all the companies, yeah. What do you think? Do you, do you believe that? Do you think that's undervalued, overvalued? Um, but I think I believe him for sure. Yeah. I don't think like if he wanted to just be like, hey, I'm worth $10 billion. Someone come offer me. I feel like he would have just said that. And do got you, all right. But do you think he's worth a billion? Not him. Do you think his stuff is worth a billion? For sure. Do you think it's worth 10? It's one of those situations. Yeah, I, I think his, I think he's worth unlimited in, I, in today's that's, world. That's actually how I feel. The currency of Mr. Beast is like the most valuable currency. Just having his entire platform. There's arguably no power, more powerful person like on the Internet. Crazy. Right now. So. When I when I think of value, it's almost just not a. I mean, how 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 do you value attention? Obviously, there are KPIs and metrics behind it, but for him, it just feels like someone that you could even if he's not worth ten billion dollars for another five years, you know, he's going to be there eventually, and you're going to be able to use that platform for like anything you want. That's the reason he's so valuable is because he's taken he's he's, he's built this audience from like ridiculous videos and then kind of just does whatever he wants with it, and it's shown the power the more powerful like companies like holy shit there's a lot of different like pivot points like this is why he might be worth that much and he was talking about um on the podcast i listened in within the first 20 minutes he was like these companies won't actually give us the time of day until like like mr beast burger goes public right like until that happens they're not really going to take it seriously um but once that happens he's like yeah someone will probably offer me like really really big money at yeah. that point it'll be like very you know it's, it'll be too late so i think yes worth the 10 billion i don't think he would sell because at that point like that's like his livelihood right like, yeah no why he else do it? and he's never cared about money or at yeah. least that's what he says and it seems believable my i put a prediction on linkedin last night i said that oh big linkedin guy uh trying to trying oh. to more so because I'm petty and Alex has more LinkedIn followers than me, but uh, I put a prediction that said, I predict that he will stop advertising in his YouTube videos because he will just promote his owned and operated stuff. So Mr. Beast, Burgers, Feastables, he mentioned in the podcast, like maybe launching a mobile gaming company. He's already got a production company. And so someone responded, if that's a huge source of revenue for him, right? Someone pays him three to $5 million for an ad. Shopify's done it recently. Uh, he does some mobile game stuff. Like, He'll never from one video drive that much revenue and let alone profit just by posting Mr. Beast Burger. And I said, yes, that's correct. But if he drives a million in revenue or awareness or whatever and does it a few times and then because he owns equity all by himself, like he's probably 100% equity owner theoretically or his company is, then it sells or goes public for $20 billion. That's even if he made 200 videos with Wendy's advertising, he's never making that amount of money. And so I think he's going to outgrow advertising dollars and it will just make sense because at the end of the well, day, advertising dollars, it'll always be a split. If you're right. getting the advertising money from a platform, from even like an agency, it's always going to be a split. So if you can cut out the middleman, you're always going to make more profit. But, that but way. even more so than that is he's got equity in this business. And I think you're a perfect example of this, right? Sleeper, underdog, prize picks, whoever, ESPN, fantasy, Yahoo could have paid, can pay you to do fantasy content, their sponsored stuff. But at the end of the day, what will be the most fruitful for you is if, our own products, our exactly. own wines. Yeah. And I, I've seen that with, it's a, another reason I'm hesitant to like sign with sponsors because it's like during the summers when we're getting a lot of reviews during the summer and early, um, early fall is like when we would do a lot of the advertising deals that we do, 
but I'm like, hey, we can do this advertising deal for like $1,500 a video. But if I have our draft guy that we sell for 40 bucks or whatever, and we get 50K views on that video, what was better time spent? A minute and a half of me plugging how good the product that we just made was, or a minute and a half plugging this other company where there's a capped revenue source. For me, what I found is that working that what Mr. Beast does, or you're predicting, predicting yeah. him to do is what, exactly what I would pretty much tell any content creator to do. If you can make your own product, if you can make something that's like lined up with whatever your content already is and sell it yourself, that for me, that for us has been way more fucking profitable. Doing the, it that and, way. The, and the difference between us and him and why my predictions for him specifically is because you can't, you don't have the resources, time, hiring power, whatever, funding to just start up another product today he can literally start anything he's got the money for it and an investment bank will certainly give it to him if he mm -hmm. needed it and he could on day one have ten thousand users that's what you said like with um with the candy bar mr beast bar yeah is that what it's called uh feastables yeah. feastables yeah he basically said that he hired like the ceo of yeah uh, kind i think he took kinds people kind he's either bar. kind or nestle Okay, he he basically got like four big time execs that were yeah. from these crazy companies. He's like, this is what happens when you put like my face behind four of the best people in the industry to do it and unlimited money. It's literally like cheating. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I said like people were calling Capital. I was like, no, he would not. A billion is an insane. Like he's at least have, he could be, why wouldn't he? He said he would always stay on YouTube. He loves YouTube, but he could start a new platform if he wanted. I don't think that's the right play for him, but he could start up any sports book. Like his audience isn't even into that but he could smash any sports book today. he could do anything he wants right. i think that's like the the bigger lesson here is that when you start to gain a little leverage as a content creator like you're mr beast at a much much like smaller scale but you could do the same things he does you know you could start to implement the things where like you're seeing him again cut out middlemen create his own products if you have the resources to do it that's exactly what i would suggest doing and i've had this thought before we don't have enough resources to actually like pull it off right now, but there are companies within our space that like sell, you know, the fantasy football championship belts, yeah. the draft boards or whatever. I'm like, if we, you know, hypothetically like bought that company or bought mm -hmm. like 60% of that company, now we just combine their product and what they've been doing so well for so long and just put it in front of our audience. So when these yeah. dudes are like, hey, where it's easy for us to integrate, it'll be super natural. We don't have to actually fucking plug anything. But when the audience members like, hey, I need a draft board for my for my homies live draft, like where are they going to go? They're gonna be like, oh, I saw Nick advertising and Nick's yeah. got one, whatever it it's is. It's consolidation. Consolidation because everything should work together. Mm -hmm. And I think Fanatics is consolidating everything. They've got collectibles, merch, sports book, all that stuff, but they have no content. So what are they going to do? They're going to spend so... If you're a content creator, you don't even have to be. I would start creating content with fanatics in mind. They will spend more money on creators than anything else over the next day. Well, that's it, it's funny because like uh, we've we've been able to watch it very closely with the industry that that we work in. Like for instance, Underdog does this great where they have a great product, and then you say like, how do we get our name out there? They've both done it with paid mm -hmm. by getting guys like you myself in the past like p all those guys promoting underdog fantasy but also building out their own organic channel through josh and hayden and some yep. of the other dudes that do content for them and that's the long game but i think like companies should be thinking that way how do we get both of them going right how do we get yes. organic because eventually what if 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 underdog's youtube channel ends up growing to 100k they don't have to spend that much money on guys like myself anymore because they already have that type of leverage so i think that's it was the barstool model that's what Barstool did. Yeah. It's very interesting to see like how people kind of approach media and how much they're willing to pay for it. Cause like, it's crazy. Like fanatics is enormous, but you'd like no to say. No one cares about fanatics right now. Yeah. No one. Yeah. It's crazy. But they'll pay until someone does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm it's telling worked you, for a lot of companies. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you want a job, fanatics will be hiring for content <laughs> in the next five years. I'm going to make you a sizzle reel from this <laughs> podcast. I'm going to be like <laughs> the, the Gary V prediction guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Some Q and a, yeah. Jordan asks, what are the three must have freemium softwares? Every content creator should have know how to use. I can start off with number one. Okay. What's yours? Canva. Canva.com is a free design software that has just an unbelievable amounts of resources for you to use. They have basically every sort of like social size canvas pixelated, like ready to go for you basically. And I could tell now that I've been doing it, I've been using Canva for free for probably eight years at this point. You've never paid, right? Uh, no, I've definitely like put my credit card in as like a, f a free trial and then had to pay by accident. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, like fucked up. I've never paid for it. Um, I do use Photoshop now. He said ask for freemium. So like I, I combine the two when I'm making images and shit because Photoshop makes it a lot more refined. I could tell now when I look out on the internet and like see people 
people's thumbnails like that's Canva, that's Canva. Uh, but Canva is just so good if you're doing any sort of like basic uh, design stuff. So I, do, have you used Canva? Yeah. 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 I, I don't edit a ton of stuff, but Canva dumbs it down to the literal lowest level possible. And not like in a crappy looking way. Like they'll actually give you tools to make things look nice. My freemium... Maybe you get a free trial for it. I would say Adobe Cloud. Like, get on Premiere, learn how to do it. But there are editing software. Like, CapCut is this mobile one that everyone, all the TikTokers use. iMovie comes on all Mac I love devices. IMovie. So if you have a Mac device, I've been using iMovie personally okay, since I started this entire thing. Like, look, all the fucking boom. I've actually been editing a lot of Premiere Pro yeah, stuff for I this podcast. I only do though. Premiere, but... Uh, that, that is crazy. You can edit photos on Canva. You can edit video on iMac cap cut. You can shoot. We shoot everything snapback Mondays on an iPhone and the quality is astounding. It really is an incredible time to, to get into this stuff because all the tools are free short form content. It takes little to no effort relative to long form it's it's really awesome yeah we would not be able to operate without adobe so adobe's not free but it's for sure worth it if you're willing to learn a little bit of photoshop premiere pro iMovie's awesome canva's awesome uh what else well you had the tool that was i mean it's a small tool but the background cutter what was that one called? oh yeah you could do that on the on adobe but i've used remove.bg remove.background basically and this was perfect for me because someone that's making thumbnails with a lot of like players yeah. um you know, like football players and just people in general, if you need to get their full body cut out, it does this for you and rips off the background. So it's transparent and you can fuck around with it for that use. I, I don't know how like use useful it would be to other people if you're not like designing stuff like that, but remove.bg has been like a staple of everything I'm, I've done. They're definitely freemium for streaming. You use StreamYard, right? Yeah. StreamYard is a really good one. I use Ecamm Live. Uh, Ecamm Live is another like live streaming software or recording software that's really high quality. What do you have our podcast on? What do you do it there? What's the hosting? Uh, Red Circle. Red Circle. I was, dude, when, yes. Yeah, so when. Um, do I owe you like $15 in hosting fees? So they were free forever. And we had like 10 different podcasts on here. Yeah. And then like when we started this one, I was like, oh, let me just add this one to it. And then they were finally like, if you want to add one, you've got to pay to upgrade to our premium. I'm like, yeah. you motherfuckers <laughs> finally moved over. But I used to promote Red Circle all the time just okay. because I thought it was awesome. Completely free platform, like so easy, so easy to sync. Spotify, uh, Apple, like any, like Stitcher, like any of those podcast services and just upload and, and let it rip. But they do, I'm not sure what the criteria for it to be free to premium, but I've always thought Red Circle is really, really good. They don't cap you on size. Like I use Buzzsprout originally, but Buzzsprout would be like, if you're uploading this much for the month or whatever, you have to start paying more and more yeah. for it. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. All right. I'll give you a completely free run. Anchor.fm. Anchor. It's owned by Spotify, but it goes out to Spotify and Apple. Tools dumb it down for you. They auto sell ads if your podcast gets big enough. It's completely free tool. Honestly, like that, I don't get paid to do this. If you're not using Anchor, especially if you're starting a podcast, then I don't know what you're doing. Like Spotify will even help you kind of grow. They have collaboration tools. I don't use any of those features. They have sounds that you can put in. You could edit the podcast on Anchor just from the raw file. So I, I would highly suggest Anchor. If, Anchor's, if you're going yeah, way. dude. So we got, I remember I got on a call with someone from Spotify a few months ago. They were trying to get us to move to Anchor because they do video podcasts yes, on there now. they do video. Video on Which Spotify. I thought was cool as hell, yeah. but there, it's just like we were already situated. It was free. It was once easy you, for yeah, Red Circle. Yeah, once you're somewhere, it's it's tough to move over. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing about Red Circle, and I don't know if they have this on other platforms, but they have like um basically like this ad platform, I guess whatever it is. Like they partner with these brands or whatever, and it's as simple as this. They'll be like, "Hey, this company Manscaped wants to run uh, an ad on your podcast." Mm -hmm. They're gonna pay, they're gonna pay you fifteen hundred dollars based on the next you know two weeks of podcast or whatever you accept or decline. Yep. Hit accept. You literally just have to record a sixty second piece of audio, upload it, and then boom, like that was it. No negotiations. Same they're, as anchor. They're just yeah. like dynamic. Okay, yeah. they have that too. Yeah, yeah. And they let you do it dynamic, which is nice. Yeah, it's very very cool how they've been upgrading. I'm like waiting for the entire. It still feels like the whole podcast industry is like a little behind tech, uh, like technologically. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like glitchy when you get on the apps, and there's still like a lot left to be. Decided. 
desire desire but well, the no i think it's for me more like no discoverability in podcasts like apple no one goes to apple or spotify like looking going to have a good time yeah. i'm just gonna fucking chill on the podcast <laughs> platform <laughs> exactly yeah, no, for sure yeah you need to like you need to know what you're going in for you need to search it and it needs to like come up immediately and you're good to go or you have your own feed that you're always on Okay, so those are podcasting stuff. Yeah, I mean, recording software, for sure, StreamYard, Ecamm. What else am I using on day-to-day? Good good uh, other free free tools. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Dis- Free distribution. Twitter. <laughs> what about blogging? I'll, at this point, I just we had, like, websites set up for a mm-hmm. while, but I just use, like, Google Docs if I need notes for a video now or yeah. something. This goes in one fucking into the trash after I'm done with it, though. <laughs> we don't ever blog. Do you guys ever blog? I mean, wait, that's Have you ever blogged before? Blogged? Yeah. yeah. Look it up right now, actually. Sportacular Sports Blogger. I want to see if it pops on Google. Man, it doesn't pay for Wi-Fi. Freemium model. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. here you go. Sportacularsportsblogger.blogspot.com. Look how pretty that is. Ray Lewis, five greatest moments. Dude, sick ad. (laughs) What is the ad? I don't know. Oh, it's like a... Oh, I used to... I was... I was. I kind of created my own You're like an affiliate? No, no, no. no. That was my own thing. I kind of... What is it? What's it say? Lifetime. I could buy a lifetime member. Oh, wait. That's the ESPN Insider. Oh, yeah. I was selling ESPN Insider. You know how... uh, What is it? It's like some of those articles are ESPN... Are they plus? Whatever they are. Yeah. No, it's Insider. That's like their premium thing. You could... You could could get like six logins to ESPN. This is... This is my actual entrepreneurial, I think, like, uh, roots, is right here. I would buy ESPN Insider. It was, like, 60 bucks a year. And I would sell it on my blog. Uh, and I would give the, like, same si- – I would give so six So you would people. give everybody your username? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, I would create burner accounts. And so the same – so I would – the first six people would get access to that account. And then the next six people, I would do a new one under a new email. So you'd sell- buy it for, like, $60 and then be like, guys, you can get ESPN Insider for 10 Yes. How did you make profit off it? Did you charge them like 20 instead of 10? Yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever the math on it was. It was like three bucks a month back in the day. You're a piece of shit. Why? That's fucking <laughs> that's, genius. That's fire. Wait, so that is that is my first. I mean, this is this was my blog. No pictures. No. Anything. It's so bad. It's so bad. It looks like it looks like a website that that was like an error message. No, it's 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 the worst thing in the world. But. I think this is kind of like our point. You need which that. Is, which you need is, that. Well, you need that because the content story is too good. But you need this because no one read it, right? Besides my mom, uh, I would, but I would post weekly or or daily. I don't remember what the cadence was, and it was just that stick with itness and learning. And then what I learned was how to make money off of it. Maybe it was a little schemy. Maybe it wasn't. But I I kind of figured out how to monetize. I figured out how to find a blog. I figured out how to get photos and SEO. I mean, I didn't actually figure out SEO, but I knew the importance of SEO. So it kind of feels like a. When they found my old YouTube channel, they also found my old blog, and it looks a lot like this. It kind of feels the worst blog ever. There's other articles with pictures. No, though, mine right? was. You can't even get. There's no like menu to go. <laughs> Let me navigate this. All I can do is share with email. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, look, blog archive. Oh, yeah. 2012, dude. I wrote 40 fucking blogs. 20 <laughs> November. November. Let's see. Sportacular sports. Are the Oklahoma City in trouble? Oh my God, I'm fucking sharp. Yeah, they because were they trouble. have gone downhill since 2012. What's that say? Trade James Harden. Personally, I, honestly I feel think like you're. I think you're gonna have a hard, terrible take. Why? Personally, I uh, think the Harden trade kills them. It's not because they fell to a <laughs> TQM. <laughs> I wasn't proofreading this. No, but that, that's that's what it is. When they found the old blog, it reminded me of this, and yeah. I'm like, it, it almost feels like a. I wish every content creator would. It's like, oh, the younger generation, like they weren't, they're not like playing outside right now. All they do is sit on their phones. Like the younger generation content creators, they don't know what it's like to start a fucking bullshit blog that (laughs) looks like no one reads. Yeah, no, I mean, if you guys start creating TikTok content, getting choked up. Sorry, if you start creating TikTok content and it gets 180 views, it's like, yeah, that that sucks. Like you'll never go anywhere with that. Bro, this, how many clicks do you think this blog got? Max, Two? Maximum 12. <laughs> but I did manage to sell ESPN Insider, so. I wonder if those people still have access to it. Yeah, so uh, there are free blogging sites. No, but I think uh, newsletters, right? There's free sites for that until you reach a certain amount. Mm-hmm. You uh, can, you can, Beehive uh, is one monkey, of them. Monkey Chimp. Monkey Chimp. Monkey Chimp. Yeah. Is it Monkey Chimp? I just make that up. It's something like that, but it's not Monkey Chimp. MailChimp. MailChimp. <laughs> 
damn. It is a it is a chimp logo. I'm not in it anymore. <laughs> so you know I'm fucking out the grind. Yeah, MailChimp will get you free up to 2,000 subscribers on your newsletter. That's an easy one. I, th- I think get... Uh, Actually, we, we should talk about newsletters next next week. I think that's a, a very interesting topic of conversation yeah. for people who are a little bit more like into the content game already. It's a great way of growing a list and actually like making money and staying in touch with your audience and shit. So newsletters are fun. Yeah, Mailchimp's good. I think that's yeah, yeah. that's enough free yeah. fucking advice. Yeah, we gave you a ton of free advice. That was crazy. Yeah. Please, uh, uh, do we have like membership subscriptions on this channel yet? Because that's no, no, at no, least no. five dollars worth. No, no, no. The only, I told you the only people that were monetizing through repeat. Or you're a nice guy, Pete, whatever. Um, all right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Make sure you join the Discord if you want to hang out more. Hit the button that looks like this. Subscribe to the channel or the podcast, depending on where you're watching, what you're listening to, and we'll be like next Wednesday. You can drop any uh, questions that you might have for us in the comments as well. Fuck big meat. You know his content, right? Like, I feel like I knew it when he like first first started. No, but I don't know the what it craziest is. part is he doesn't do anything. It's just that smile, right? He just uh, his or like whatever. He's his original content was like like people doing too much, like making fun of people that do too much. Yeah, like uh, that's have, that's the thing. He goes like this. Yeah, he just like has very simple fixes. Yeah. Does that shit? Do they have any? Does he have any like sponsored posts up? I was Can you see to, it from? So this is so now he just does it. Well, it's with TikTok, so maybe. But there's no way they're paying him three quarters of a million. But that's a famous stock of fire. Uh, Cabby? Kate? Cabby oh. Lame? Never talk. No. Never. People don't know what his voice sounds like. <laughs> that's, uh, 22 that's million views. I wonder how many views like a normal commercial gets. Do you think those companies like Binance sends over like a camera crew like we want to yeah, do yeah. it for you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. They probably film a whole commercial there. Or he's got a team. I mean, for three quarters of a million dollars. That's, well, that's, like, what, I, that's with, what I mean. With like, Beast, like, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, they, they got him. Well, like, even when I work with, if I work with um, any company nowadays, realistically, like, I don't think any of them ever have any real say in, like, creative control. They're right. kind of just like, hey, we like what you guys are doing. Yeah, like, yeah. integrate us yeah. normally. So I wonder, like, on that scale, right. as a creator, you have, I mean, that dude has all the leverage in the world. So he yeah. can kind of be like, hey, you came to me. You want to pay me this? Yeah. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do. I would almost... I wouldn't mind at that scale getting help from If they did a lot of the work, yeah, yeah, it'd be kind (laughs) of nice. Like, I'll do the creative, but if they brought the film crew, they booked guests. They did all the tech, audio, talent. Yeah, like bringing him in to that thing would be sick. Yeah. Why are we fake (laughs) headphoning? Well, you didn't have yours on, so I wasn't sure. I didn't even realize. Yeah, it's tough.